The month of December is a special month of joy and cheer because we celebrate the birth of Jesus the Messiah. This Christmas Sunday morning, let us attend two special Christmas worship services, one inside heaven and the other on earth in the air. First, let us go to heaven and see how God and the angels celebrated the first Christmas. Then we shall go to Bethlehem and listen to how the angels in the air preached and sang to the shepherds. So first, let us go to heaven in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 1 and verse 6. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he said, Let all the angels of God worship him. As Christ was ready to come down to earth, God issued a command, Let all the angels worship him. And we could imagine a mighty heavenly response. Billions and billions of camps of angels surrounding Christ, praising God for redemption about to happen on earth, and worshiping Christ, the coming Redeemer. Heaven must have been aglow with praises to God's glory as cantatas after cantatas were sung. And now, Christ, almost ready to come down to earth, gave a farewell speech. It will be a magnificent speech describing his future work on earth. So we turn to the book of Hebrews again, chapter 10 and verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, A body hast thou prepared for me. When the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived, it was a very special creation of God. We can imagine how handsome Jesus was, a wonderful body especially prepared by God, perfect man and perfect God, truly man and truly God. His enemies could find no fault in him, and at the end, they had to use false witnesses to put him to death. But notice, God did not create Christ's body to look like a powerful archangel or even a bright shining star. If Christ were like that, no one could approach him. The Bible said, He was made like us, yet without sin. He was in the form of a human being. The Bible called it a servant. Truly God and yet truly man. Therefore, if Christ was born in King Herod's palace in Jerusalem, only the rich and the royalty could see him but he was born in a lowly manger. 
so that everyone who desires to come could come to him. As we know, the smallest coin used in the United States is a little brown coin worth only one cent, equivalent to 50 centavos in the Philippines. In America, it is known as just a penny, the lowest valued coin. On that coin is the picture of President Abraham Lincoln. But how could such a great president be on the lowest valued coin in America? We are told that when America wanted to honor President Lincoln, the family of the president asked that his picture be on the lowest valued coin not on the higher-valued dollar bills. The reason is, if his picture were on the $100 bill, few people, few people would see it. But if on the one-cent penny, everyone would see it. Then Christ continued his farewell speech inside heaven. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. What a marvelous way to describe Christ's entire life, to do God's will. The life of Jesus on earth was intended to be an example, an example for us. Example of what? To do God's will, obedience to God. And for you and myself who have to work, maybe to support your family or yourself, Jesus also needed to get up at daybreak, pick up carpenter's tools, work until he was sweating and tired out. Traditions, tradition tell us that when Jesus was aged 19, his earthly father, Joseph, died. And as the eldest son of the family, Jesus had to support the holy family. How many members of the family Jesus had to support? Mark chapter 6 and verse 3 says, there were at least six brothers and sisters of Jesus stepbrothers and sisters, plus Mary and Jesus. Total eight persons in the family. And there was no electricity in the carpentry shop in Nazareth. Jesus did not do any miracle. His first miracle was at Cana in Galilee with his disciples when he turned water into wine. So for the first 30 years of his life, that he had done, he didn't do any miracle. Finally, at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed three times, not my will, but thine be done. And since it was God's will for Jesus to die for others, Jesus gladly embraced it.
What is the meaning of Christmas then? Two, first, Christ was given a body just like ours, yet without sin. So Jesus could understand us, sympathize with us, and he promises never to leave us. Secondly, Christ was obedient to the Father's will on earth all his lifetime on earth. Are we obedient to God's will in our daily lives? Now we have learned about Christmas in heaven. So let us look at Christmas on earth. And this Christmas story is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. This Christmas story starts with a group of lowly shepherds near Bethlehem. There must be a mistake. The King of Kings is to be born. Why did God allow Jesus to be born like that? We shall see later. Verse 9, Luke 2, verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. When God created angels in eternity past, they were created all invisible. But that first Christmas night, God allowed them to be visible for the enjoyment of the shepherd listeners. Now, first, let me ask a question. When the angels suddenly appeared, who spoke first? Was it one angel or was it a group of angels? And the answer is one angel. First appeared a speaker angel and then followed by the angelic choir. Verse 9 continues, and they were sore afraid. Let us not blame the shepherds for being afraid. If you see an angel or maybe you and I will also be afraid. And this verse in verse 10 continues, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Notice the first words of the Christmas angels were, or was, fear not. Well, actually, fear is the biggest problem of mankind. We fear when it is dark. We fear when it is full of light. We fear when we can see the future. We fear when we can see the present. We fear when we are alone, and we fear when we have company. We fear the known, and we fear the unknown. Life is full of fear, but praise the Lord, Christ came to banish our fears. In fact, the angels are going to say something which would bring them joy, not fear. 
the angel said, Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Notice to the angels, joy was really normal in heaven. Heaven is always filled with joy and praise. But that night, the Bethlehem angel added the words, great joy. In other words, Jesus' birth would bring joys even greater than the supernatural joys already found in heaven. Now, the angelic speaker tells the shepherd where, but first, why they should not be afraid. Here are reasons, four reasons why the world now should greatly rejoice and not be afraid. The angels say, for unto you, first reason, is born this day, second reason, in the city of David, third reason, a savior, the fourth reason, which is Christ the Lord. Uh, for time-wise, let us just focus on the last word, a savior. <clears throat> is born a savior. Today, many people say that Jesus was born a great religious uh, leader, a, an eloquent philosopher, or even a very powerful prophet. No, that was not what the angel said. The angel reported, a savior is born. Here is a poem I have uh, paraphrased. If the world's greatest need was money, then God would have sent us an economist. If the world's greatest need was health, to be healthy, God would have sent us a doctor. If the world's greatest need was entertainment, God would have sent us an artist. If the greatest need was government, God would have sent us a politician. Since the world's greatest problem was sin, God sent us a savior. So when we celebrate Christmas, we meaningfully celebrate Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Savior. During World War II, Winston Churchill, the Premier of England, spoke to the Royal Air Force members, which had guarded England successfully from Adolf Hitler. He said, never in the history of mankind have so many owed so much to so few, the members of the Air Force, Royal Air Force. But in the birth of Jesus, we may say, never in the history of God's universe has mankind owed so much to just one person, Jesus Christ, a Savior. Now the angel told the shepherds where they could find the baby Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 12 continues, And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe 
wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. It was, it was probably easy to find baby Jesus. Probably the whole town of Bethlehem had only one baby born so lowly in a manger, used by animals. And also the angel did not say, you will find an old man in a rocking chair, dressed in pajamas, dropped down from heaven. Now the question is, if Christ had come down from heaven as an adult, could he still have saved mankind? And the answer is yes, yes. He could then go to the cross immediately. Now why did Christ have to, be, have to start as a baby? Because Jesus wanted to experience human life from babyhood to youth to adulthood. He had experienced human humanity from start to finish. There, growing up in Nazareth, for 30 years he worked hard, suffered poverty. Then he was tempted. He was slandered. His friends all forsook him. At the cross, finally at the cross, blood and water came out from his side. He died of a broken heart. He had experienced life inside out. Why? So that he can be our merciful, sympathizing high priest praying for us today. And dear brothers and sisters, don't ever feel no one understands you or cares for you. Children, young people, adults, never think that Christ does not know your feelings and your experiences. He went through your generational years, yet without sin. Christ not only understands you and me, he loves you and cares for you more than we can understand ourselves. And now, after the first angel had preached the message, let us listen to the angelic choir singing. Luke chapter 2, the same chapter, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God. Christianity is a singing religion. And on Christmas time, we especially like to sing. 2,000 years ago, during the first Christmas in Bethlehem, over Bethlehem, the angels filled the night sky with singing and praising voices to God. Now, the Bible did not say how many angels had appeared that night. Since, but since this was really an extraordinary occasion, God must have allowed a great number of angels to participate over Bethlehem's night sky. Imagine row after row of bright shining angels 
lining up in front of the shepherds. And if some angels could not be seen, they simply flew higher. There was no need for stairs or risers. Their faces so pure and bright and pretty. Faces never stained by sin. And they were so joyful for mankind that mankind is now going to have a savior. Now we don't know how long they sang, maybe one to two hours, maybe three or four hours, maybe the whole evening deep into the night. Maybe there must have been solos, quartets, duets, echoes, repetitions with heavenly uh, musical instruments never heard on earth before. And not just four parts on earth, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, maybe 100 parts, different parts of celestial heavenly songs. This picture we have here shows some modern tourists looking and meditating over Bethlehem's shepherd's field today. I know many of you have been to Israel, and next year we have another Holy Land tour there. But it will be even more wonderful someday in heaven to see and to talk with Jesus himself and the Bethlehem angels when Jesus comes again. Today, sadly, we cannot listen to the sound of the angelic music that night. There was no tape recorder invented yet. But we do know the, the lyrics or the words of the angelic songs. It has only two sentences. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Using these two sentences, let us examine closely the words of the angels. In the original Greek, it can be literally translated as, In the highest heavens, may glory be to God. And on the earth, may there be peace for mankind whom God loves. That's the literal translation. Now, so this is a prayer of the angels. Glory to God in the highest can be translated, may glory be to God in the highest heavens. The Bethlehem angel prayed that because of Christ's birth, may glory be to God in heaven. However, heaven is already filled with glory and praises to God. There was no need to pray for it. Actually, the angels were talking about a different kind of glory, a different kind of praising God, a new type of glorifying God, 
And it is related to verse 11 that we have just said, unto you is born a Savior. The Bethlehem angels were praying that because Jesus had come as Savior, there would be people who would be saved like most of you here today. And their salvation experience and testimonies would uniquely produce the greatest glory to God, even reaching to the farthest reaches of heaven, the throne of God. And if you are already a Christian, every time you pray and praise God, your prayer will uniquely reach the highest heavens because of Christ, your Savior. And just think again, someday in heaven, we shall talk with those Bethlehem angels and they will embrace us and tell us how glad they were that we have received their message 2,000 years ago. Because Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus said, In heaven, angels rejoice over one sinner that repented. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Now, the second sentence of the angelic song is, And on the earth may there be peace to men whom God loves. Some people like to think that the angels were praying for the absence of war on earth, physical, visible peace on earth, and universal prosperity. But no, the angels were not talking about political or physical peace on earth because at that time, the Roman Empire had already, was already experiencing what they call Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. The Roman army, the, the Roman uh, legions had conquered the known world and ruled it, and there was no major disturbances or peace in the Roman Empire at that time. What, were, what did the angels mean? Not political, visible peace, the absence of war. The angels were praying for an inner peace of everyone who believes in Jesus, the inner spiritual peace and blessing from God. And it's recorded in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. It's not worldly peace, it's inner peace from God from Christ our Savior. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And this inner spiritual peace can be ours this Christmas time when we have Christ in our hearts. Finally, let us turn to Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. The Apostle Paul said, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you. When a person is born again, Christ is born in him. In other words, another Christmas has happened in his heart. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, 
Your hearts have become another Bethlehem. Christ is born in you. Do you have Christ in your heart this Christmas? Would you like your heart to be a Bethlehem where Christ would be born? Even now in your heart, you may pray this prayer for salvation. Just in your heart, saying, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for my sins. Please come into my heart and forgive my sins. I now believe in Jesus Christ and trust in him alone as my personal Savior. Thank you, dear God, for giving me eternal life and abundant life in Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And for you who are already Christians, is your heart a Bethlehem that is different from that other Bethlehem 2,000 years ago? That other Bethlehem gave Christ a lowly manger. And later on, and soon after, Christ had to flee the city. Do we welcome Christ to stay in our hearts and life as Christ, as Lord and King? And as we approach the end of this year and face a new year soon, let the angels' prayers be fulfilled in our lives. Today, let us give him the best address possible and welcome him to stay in our hearts. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you.